So back to the pros and cons of transferring from a carer payment to an aged care payment. Yeah. So the aged pension, as I said, is easier to get. The aged pension is actually easy to travel overseas with if you are if that's something that you think that you're going to be doing quite a bit of, then you might consider if I'm going to go overseas for long periods of time, aged pension might be the way to go. I see. But one of the things that does stop, and that's the one that you mentioned, is the carer supplement. Or the allowance. No, the supplement, which is different to the allowance. So you've got carer payment, you've got carer allowance. And then once a year on the 1st of July, you actually receive a carer supplement. It's a one once a year payment. It's $600 and you get it for your carer payment and you get it for your carer allowance. So if you're getting both carer payment and carer allowance, you would actually get two lots of $600. If you're getting carer allowance only, you'll get only one lot of $600. You don't get it if you're on the age pension. If you are on the age pension and you get a carer allowance, do you get it then? Do you get, get one lot? You'll get one lot of $600 yes. because you're getting the care allowance. But if you choose to move from carer payment to age pension, you you're going that. to say goodbye to one of those $600 payments. Got it. From the Benevolent Society, we welcome you to the Carer Gateway podcast with your host, Patty Kekos. Carer Gateway is the Australian government's national carer hub and provides reliable services, support and advice specifically for carers. This is where we share interviews with guests that have specialised knowledge that will help support carers look after their emotional, mental and physical well-being. We are recording on Aboriginal country, lands which were never ceded. We acknowledge the traditional custodians and cultural knowledge holders of these lands and pay our respects to Aboriginal elders past, present and emerging. Always was always will be. Welcome, welcome, my lovely listeners and carers. Have you ever wondered about carer payments or any other assistance that Services Australia provides? Well, my guest today will share some helpful information about how Services Australia is structured. Their purpose is to support Australians by delivering high quality and accessible services and payments on behalf of the government. Their programs focus on child support, the healthcare that is covered by Medicare, and the Centrelink Social Security Payments and Services for Australians. There are six categories of support in total, and I'll share about them really briefly. Number one is raising kids. There are payments and services to help with the cost of raising a child, as well as information about childcare and child support, and help for teenagers becoming independent. Number two is living arrangements. This includes information about moving house, relationship changes and moving to Australia. There is help and support if you're an Australian overseas or affected by natural disasters or family and domestic violence. Number three is work. There is help when you've been recently unemployed, when you're looking for work, when your income changes or if you've been impacted by COVID-19. Number four is education. There is support and payments while you study, retrain or complete an apprenticeship. Number five is health and disability. And this has to do with accessing Medicare and some health services at low or no cost. It's help for people with a disability or if you're caring for someone and knowing what to do when a loved one dies. And number six is ageing. This is where there is help available for people who care for older Australians and includes payments and services for people who are retiring or accessing aged care facilities. Today, we get to speak to Justin Bott, who has a variety of roles within the organisation and works currently as a community information officer. 
Justin, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be here. It's great to have you. And I'm actually going to get straight into it with a direct question. Are you ready? I'll go for it. Why Services Australia? Oh, that's a funny thing. So um, I've been working for the agency for a very, very long time. And when I first started, we had to do this thing called the Public Servants Entrance Exam. And we're talking in the uh, 90s sort of concept. Um, and the Public Service Entrance Exam is really just an intelligence test. So it's a series of questions about maths and battens and all that sort of thing. Is it like a psychological assessment Yeah, as well? it's, all of that is in part of it. And you never finish it because it's, it's too long for anybody to finish. It's not about actually getting to the end. It's just an assessment of how far did you get, how fast did you do it, how well did you do. And you do the exam, they give you a mark, and then they give you a, offer you a job based on how well you do. So they rang me up and they said, um, look, uh, we want to offer you a job. Where do you want to work? And I said, oh, pretty much anywhere apart from Department of Social Security, which is what is now Services Australia. I said, all right, you don't want to work in the Department of Social Security. Well, we've got a job and it's in the Department of Social Security. And <laughs> being more of so a... So they really listened to you. <laughs> well, I was a bit more pragmatic. Is that a job is a job, so I'll take that. So started working with what was then DSS, which then became Centrelink and is now known as Services Australia. And the nice thing about working with something like the um, Services Australia is that the organisation is actually so big that I've, in effect, had four different careers in the one you know, the one agency. So I started Over off- three or four decades. It's, we'll go three. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring it back to that. Not quite three, but getting close to three. So I started off as a customer service officer, just the person that you'd see over the counter, then became- uh, Oh, so face-to-face. Yeah, definitely. Of course, back then, yeah. Yeah, so I was you know, taking claims and helping people with their payments, became a team leader and then an office manager, and then from there moved across to what's known as the financial information service. Does it still exist? Definitely does. It's a great service. I'm a, I, I did it for 15 or so years. I'm a major fan of it. And it's about giving free and impartial information to Australians about a whole range of financial issues, as well as about services from Services Australia. Uh, and the funny thing about moving across to that is that it was all about having financial knowledge. And the reality of my situation was that I didn't really have much financial knowledge when I started. My wife was much better qualified to do that job than me. She was the one that taught me how to do things like budget, manage credit cards, deal with savings. Yet you worked in the sector for 15 years. Well, I picked it up pretty quickly after that. So, yeah. So she was the one that helped me get on the right path, but certainly with the agency I was working through them. Uh, and, yeah, as I said, a lot of fun, but um, part of that was also getting a bit of media exposure, so helping um, people on radio to find out about payments from Services Australia and that moved from doing it every now and then to becoming my new full-time job, which has moved into media as a community information officer. So I spend my days, uh, again, doing the same sort of thing, getting out there into the community on radio uh, and um, in columns and magazines and things like that to tell people about what Services Australia has to offer. What is a common misconception about Services Australia that you'd like to clear up on the podcast today? One of the questions that I would always get, or more of a statement of expectation from the customers, was the fact that they really didn't need to let us know about any changes in their circumstances, particularly changes in their bank accounts, because they just assumed that we already knew everything that was going on in their bank accounts. So there's an assumption that you have access to their respective bank accounts. Yeah, like I can, on my computer, hit Alt-Tab and I'll be able to open up all your St George accounts and all your Westpac <laughs> or whatever it might be, and we can instantly see all the balances. So you don't need to tell me because obviously Services Australia already knows. Yeah. And it's really important to say that that is not the case. We mm -hmm. do not have that power. 
Uh, and, because of the Privacy Act? Well, all, yeah, all the parts of it is yep. making sure of that. Um, is making sure that no one government agency has the ability to get all that information at one point. Yep. Now, uh, it is fair enough to say that we can exercise that power, but we only use it if you've done something really, really naughty and you're going to be in all sorts of trouble. And so then you, you have to be investigated. Yes. So basically you're yeah. committing fraud and we're trying to find out what you're going up to. But apart from that, for the general public, no, we don't. Mm. Which means that if you don't tell us that your circumstances have changed, we're not going to know that that's occurred. Mm. We don't have the crystal ball that knows that you've been moving money around your accounts or whatever that might be. So as a person receiving a payment from Services Australia, it is still your responsibility to let us know when things change. You mentioned earlier that you've worked with carers when you were the guest speaker for the Northern Beaches Support Groups, and you provided information on the carer payment, including who is eligible for it and who is not, along with how the payment is determined. Could you share that information about the carer payment with us today, along with information about the carer allowance as well for our listeners? For sure. So there are two, if you like, main payments that a person who is providing care is able to apply through from Services Australia. So the first one is, as we said, the carer payment. Now, carer payment is a pension, the same as an age pension and a disability support pension. It's a pension. So it's got the pension income and assets test component to it. It's paid at the same rate as the pension. And at the moment, that's $1,064 a fortnight if you are a single person or $802 a fortnight if you're one of a member of a couple. So the disability payment, the carer payment and the pension payment are all the same amount. Is that right? That is exactly right. They are all... So the same rate of payment, same concession cards that go with them, yep. same income and assets test that goes with them. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about the income and asset test? Yeah, for sure. So in order for you to have an eligibility for the care of payment, yep. then you have to have income and assets that are under certain thresholds. Uh, if you go over those thresholds, then- uh, You're not for- eligible? You're not eligible. So it doesn't matter what care you provide, you're not going to get anything because you don't meet that income and assets test. And are the thresholds different according to different states and territories? They are not. That's the nice thing about being a federal government agency is it's the same across the country. But they do change throughout the year. And and that means that um, there's a change that occurs on the 1st of July. So they're going to there'll be a change to the thresholds coming up really soon. Which is the new financial year. Yes. Yeah. So there's changes that happen automatically on the 20th of March, 1st of July and 20th of September every year based on CPI changes and things like that. And what are those changes? Well, it depends on what's happening with CPI. So what I would recommend is that because, you know, this podcast is going to be around hopefully for a long time, yep. have a look at our website, servicesaustralia.gov.au, As you said, they've got those life events that you've mentioned. There's Mm -hmm. the one that's health and disabilities. Mm -hmm. If you go into that for carers, you will find what the new income and assets cutoff points are Mm -hmm. uh, so that you see what they are right at the moment that you're looking at applying. Great. Okay. And so when you've done the income and asset test, which you can do online? The whole thing, the whole application can go online. It's all part of the one process. So with with something like carer payment, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to pass two types of tests. Okay. Because you've got your eligibility is based on both. Do you meet the requirements under the income and assets test? Yep. Do you meet all of the medical and support requirements of the carer payment? Right. So, so they're makes, the two aspects. Yeah. That makes it different from something like the age pension, which obviously with an age pension, you've got to meet the requirements of being old enough to qualify. Yes. With the carer payment, you've got to meet both I am providing enough care to yes. qualify and the person that I'm looking after has a condition that warrants me having to provide the enough care. care to qualify. Mm-hmm. So there's the whole medical side of the application as well, and that's part of your process in lodging that application. Mm-hmm. So with carer payment in particular, 
what you're basically looking at is if I am a carer, it's like this is my job. It's, yes. it's the equivalent of saying this is my work yep. uh, and I'm getting a pension as my source of income to reflect the fact that this is my work. Mm -hmm. And the person that I'm looking after, their condition is going to go for at least six months. So we expect that they're going to be dealing with this for more than six months. Yep. Uh, and it is obviously of enough uh, severity, if you yep. like, that means that I do need to provide care and therefore that's me potentially qualifying under that um, medical side of it. That makes sense. So the other payment that we're talking about is called carer allowance. Mm -hmm. Now, carer allowance is very often paid with carer payment. So it's something that you can apply for at the same time in, um, in, in order to get that. Again, the... There's that medical side of it. Am I providing enough care? Does the person that I'm caring for have a condition that warrants it? It's a little bit different in that you need to have uh, the person that you're caring for, the condition needs to be going for 12 months or more right. rather than six months or more. But if it's a long-term thing, then yes, you can absolutely apply for carer allowance. It's also important to say that you can get carer allowance with other payments. Such as? The age pension is a classic example. Yes. So. Uh, say I'm 72, my partner's a little bit older, they might be 76, mm -hmm. and they've unfortunately started to deteriorate and I need to start providing more and more care. Uh, I'm on an age pension. I don't necessarily think I need to move off the age pension, but I can also apply for that care allowance on top of my age pension. Mm. And the care allowance, uh, it's not a pension, so it's not paid at the pension rate. It's about $144 a fortnight. So it's a supplement. Yes, in effect it is. It's such so a say... Here is something for you for the fact that you are providing this care. Here's something to help a little bit with the cost of what you're doing. Is it also based on an, an income test? You can apply for the care allowance with having eligibility for no other payments as well. So right. it's something that you can actually apply on its own. It does not have an assets test associated with it, which is, makes it different from pensions. It does have an income test, but the income test is actually pretty simple. Is your income under $250,000? Right. And that's it. That's as complicated as it is. So theoretically, many of our our carers who are also working would be eligible for the carer allowance. Is this correct? Yeah. So the issue that I have, and more often the reason I'm going out and talking to these groups, is not for people to apply for carer payment. Because if you had to make this your full-time job, you need money. You've already come and seen the agency. You can't afford not to. Yep. And so you've applied for whatever you can get and you've applied for the carer payment. But there is absolutely a group of people who would not have in any way thought they'd have any eligibility from anything from Services Australia. Their mm. assets might be too high. Their income might be way over the top. Yep. Why would they even look? Because, you know, they didn't think they'd ever be eligible. And there's this carer allowance with an income test of $250,000 and no assets test eligibility. Right, and which means is... that you cannot earn more than $250,000 a year in order to be eligible for the carer allowance. That's right. But that's a very high figure. So... Uh, it may be that I am working full-time, but my partner is caring full-time. Yes. My income precludes us from having an eligibility for a pension, but doesn't preclude us her from having an eligibility for the carer allowance. Right. So if that's you, and yep. up until this point you didn't know it exists, mm. then you've now found out about it. It's now time to do something about that. So We're here to dispel myths. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. So go to the website. It's a great place to find out information about it. Again, servicesaustralia.gov.au and click on that. Um, health and disabilities, uh, or you can just straight out apply online using the app as well. Okay. I'm going to ask you some more questions about online applications versus phone applications and in-person applications. But before I do, many carers ask, do I stay on the age pension or do I remain on the carers payment? 
So if you move, do you lose any supplements to these payments? Yeah, it's a big question. Uh, And the problem is that there is no right or wrong answer to this one. It's very much a case-by-case basis. Okay. So uh, if I say I'm not yet age pension age, but I'm now providing care. So I've applied for the carer payment and I'm getting the carer payment. Yep. Care allowance is being paid and that makes no difference because that can keep going through regardless of my choice. So Mm -hmm. if I'm getting care allowance and I choose to go across to the age pension, I can still get the care allowance. That makes no difference. Mm -hmm. But I've turned age pension age and now I've I've been asked by Services Australia, do I want to stay on carer payment or Mm -hmm. do I want to move across to the age pension? And there are advantages and disadvantages of both. The big easy reason of going on to the age pension, the, the clearest and the simplest one is the only requirement is that you're Australian resident and you're of age pension age. Mm-hmm. So you no longer have to prove medical requirements, none of that to keep getting that pension payment. What's the pension age in general for men and for women? Age pension age at the present time, and we're talking in May 2023, is 66 and a half years of age, and it's the same for men and women. Okay. On the 1st of July 2023, it actually moves up to 67 years of age. I see. So from the 1st of July, age pension age will become 67 years of age, and that's where it's going to stay. Is it a different age for our community that has an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander heritage? No. Age pension age is the same for everybody at the moment. So Got it. Um, when it comes to... Um, people with Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander heritage, most of the payments are the same regardless of whether you do or don't have that heritage. The the big one that's different is the AB study series of payments if you're actually studying. Um, so they're very different from that perspective. Oh, so I'll study versus AB study. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But from a carer's perspective, carer payment and carer allowance are the same regardless of your background. Got it. So back to, oh, there's a little bit of a segue. I interrupted you. I'm just, I'm so excited I can pick your brain. So back to the pros and cons of transferring from a carer payment to an aged care payment. Yeah. So the age pension, as I said, is easier to get. The age pension is actually easy to travel overseas with if you are, if that's something that you think that you're going to be doing quite a bit of, then you might consider if I'm going to go overseas for long periods of time, age pension might be the way to go. I see. But one of the things that does stop, and that's the one that you mentioned, is the carer supplement. Oh, the allowance. No, the supplement, which is different to the allowance. So you've got carer payment, you've got carer allowance, and then once a year on the 1st of July, you actually receive a carer supplement. It's a one once-a-year payment. It's $600, and you get it for your carer payment, and you get it for your carer allowance. So if you're getting both carer payment and carer allowance, you would actually get two lots of $600. If you're getting carer allowance only, you'll get only one lot of $600. You don't get it if you're on the age pension. If you are on the age pension and you get a carer allowance, do you get it then? Do you get get, one lot? You'll get one lot of $600 because you're getting the carer allowance. But if you choose to move from carer payment to age pension, you're going to say goodbye to one of those $600 payments. So there's definitely a cash reason to stay. But as I said, there are a lot of other really finicky details about further study and all that sort of thing that might be better for carer payment or age pension that might not apply to 99% of the population, but may apply to you. Okay. So the best thing to do is actually go again to our website, which is that servicesaustralia.gov.au. Yeah. And on that website, in the search function, all you have to put in that little search box is the word transfer. Yep. If you type in transfer, hit search, the first thing you're going to get is an option that says transfer to age pension. Mm Mm-hmm. 
click on that one and it will take you through the pros and cons of carer payment versus age pension, even disability support pension versus age pension, because that's another question that we're asked. Should I stay on a disability support pension or should I move across to the age pension? Got it. So it breaks down all those different advantages and disadvantages. Now, the nice thing about carer payment, which does not apply to the disability support pension, is that you can swap from an age pension to a carer payment if you want to. Right. With a disability support pension, once you turn age pension age, you cannot apply for a disability support pension. So you can't swap onto it. You'll, you'll stay on the age pension and that's where you go. So with carer payment, it's a door that you can go through both ways. You've got more flexibility. With disability support pension, if you choose to move across to the age pension, you can't go back. Well, speaking of the disability support pension, maybe and the job seeker payment as well, many of our carers are advocating for their loved ones to receive a payment that they would be entitled to and eligible for. Can we unpack that a little bit together? Yeah, for sure. So what you claim is going to depend really is what we were sort of indicating beforehand. What you claim depends on what stage of life you're at. Okay. So the first thing is we'll go with the easy one. That is you're already age pension age. Okay. So again, that scenario, uh, we're in our late 70s and then I start to develop a condition, which means that I um, really aren't able to do everything that I was able to do beforehand and I may meet the medical requirements of a disability support pension. Because I'm over age pension age, I can't apply for disability support pension. I just keep getting the age pension as I was getting beforehand. There's no medical basis for the payment. Uh, and the payment, as I said, it's exactly the same rate as mm -hmm. a disability support pension and the carer payment. The concessional benefits are exactly the same. So the blue pension or concession card does not say with it whether you're getting it because you're on an age pension, a carer payment or a disability support pension. So nobody's going to know that it's one or the other. The, so the concessional benefits that you get from that are the same. So from that perspective, it doesn't really make much of a difference that you're on the disability support pension on age pension, but you can't apply for it because you just, you're just you not legally able to because you're over age pension age. If you're a child, there's a whole different group of payments for children. Okay. So that's a different story as well. But what we're looking at here is basically we're going from you know, young adults to about to be age pension age and what can they apply for. Mm. So the main one that we talked about is the disability support pension. But that is actually uh, quite specific in its qualifications. So it's not a universal everybody can get this. Um, in order for you to qualify for a disability support pension, the condition needs to be at least going, expected to be going for at least two years or more. Right. You need to not be able to work at least 15 hours a week. So there's restricted ability to work and it needs to be managed and stable. But can you work for 10 or 15 hours a week if you are receiving a disability support pension? Yes, you can. Okay. Absolutely, you can. There will be an income that comes from that, and that yep. income might affect the rate of payment that you're getting. Okay. Because, okay. of course, being a pension, it's got the whole income and assets side of it of as course. well. But, yes, absolutely you can. Um, it's just one of those things that you need to be careful of, and the same for the carer payment as well. There is the ability for you to work, but at what point does your level of work tell us that you're no longer providing enough care in yes. particular? Yes. So there's that balance of, yes, I can work and it's great to get that extra income, but am I actually working too much and so therefore dem actively demonstrating I can't be providing enough care and therefore potentially put my payment at risk? And so what are the criteria that would need to be shared with Services Australia? Like, would that be something that would be medical certificates from particular specialists, a GP? For a disability support pension? Yeah. Yeah, so you're looking at a whole lot range of basically as much medical evidence as you can provide. I see. Now, I'm, I'm going to qualify that because there is 
one other way of getting the disability support pension, and it's what we call a manifest condition. And unfortunately, there's when things are really bad. So what we're talking about is severe intellectual disability Mm -hmm. or something like a terminal illness, Mm -hmm. you know. If you present with those, then that's really the end of your medical requirements. You don't need to go any further. So if you've been diagnosed with leukaemia or cancer, you automatically qualify? No, because they are not, they are potentially treatable. So it's not, it's got to be decided that your medical professional would have to be saying this is a terminal case. Right. Yes. So you've actually got the bad news and therefore you're applying for the payment with that bad news story. Got it. All those other things hopefully can be manageable and, uh, again, if you're stable, it might mean that you can't work for a long period of time, but it may mean that you could qualify for the payments, um, but you don't get it automatically. You've got to prove that. And then do you have to do a yearly review where you continue to prove that your condition yeah. has so there'll be Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure. I can't say for sure that it's yearly, but there will definitely be ongoing medical reviews. Right. Uh, because this payment is based on the fact that you've got this condition. We need to make sure that that condition is still there and that you're still um, having to deal with that. Uh, Now, that also, when we talk about medical evidence, it may well be that it's not just one thing that makes you eligible for disability support pension. It may be that I have a combination of conditions and mental health issues or whatever, Mm -hmm. and so I therefore need a combination of medical reports and specialist reports. From a GP, from a psychologist or psychiatrist, et cetera? Yeah, All, all to put it together to show that, I have the condition that warrants the payment that I, you know, I meet those requirements that we were talking about as well. Okay. And then tell us about job seeker payments. So job seeker payment is the main payment for people who are underage pension age and who are looking for work. So normally when you apply for job seeker payment, there are going to be expectations on you. We call them mutual obligations. You are required to do certain behaviours, you know, look for a certain number of jobs, get in contact with um, the job agencies to try mm-hmm. and find employment, you know, making sure that you're updating your skills, that sort of stuff. And is the purpose of this payment to get you back into employment, even if it means that you need to retrain? Yes, but not for people, not the ones that we're talking about in this circumstance. So that's the difference. So for most Australians that are on job seeker payment, the idea is that hopefully they'll get themselves a job, will help them get themselves a job, or the employment agencies will help them get a job and they'll get back to work and they may only be with us hopefully for a very short period of time. But it's different if you have a medical condition. So because, in one example, because the disability support pension is complex, Mm -hmm. you know, not only do we have to go through the income and assets test, which can be complex for people anyway, then you've got to go through the whole medical side of the story with the different treating Mm. doctor's reports and things like that. It can take a while to be granted. So what do I do? I've got no pension coming through. I've got no money. Where do I go? So what we will often do is actually pay you at the job seeker rate until until the the decision's been made about the disability support pension. Okay. Or you can just apply for the job seeker being unable to work because of a medical condition. So right. this is particularly if it's a short-term thing. Right. Maybe a few months where you've just got whatever has knocked you out. Yep. You're going to have to take a little time to recover. Yep. You can get the job seeker payment. You provide your medical evidence that shows that it's inappropriate for you to be looking for work right now because yep. you're recovering. And as long as we've got that medical evidence that we can accept, then we can give you the payment without any of those mutual obligation expectations on you. That's very clear. You mentioned carers can claim these payments online. For those that aren't computer literate, can we call a number? You absolutely can. That's great. So, yeah, if you are a carer, then the first place that you should go is by going online if at all possible because it's, it's realistically, it's great. And one of the things that I love about it for carers in particular 
is that you're able to do it in your own time, in your own home, in your own way. And you can start, save it, come back to it later. And you don't have to set any massive times aside and you're able to do that. And most of us have already created a MyGov account. So to yes. apply online, you've got to go through MyGov, link to your Centrelink record. Most of us already have a MyGov account because we needed it for the proof of vaccinations when um, COVID was all going on. True that. So you've got a MyGov account. If you've linked it to your Centrelink record, you're already ready to roll. You can start that care application online. Okay. Uh, but if we want to call that number though. Yes. If you want to ring that number, then you're absolutely in your ability to do that. It's absolutely there for you. And do we uh, have interpreter services on the phone as well, if English is not your first language? Not on that number, but there is another number that you can call if you want to get that assistance from the um, interpreter services. So, oh, so you've got a multilingual phone service We as do well. have a multilingual phone service. So the phone number for that one is 131202. 131202. That is our multilingual phone service. So if that's your position, call that number first. Call the 131202 rather than the care phone number. You'll say the language that you want to speak and then you'll get somebody that can help you from that. Can we go into the office and can we get assistance if we need it with someone that can help us claim? Absolutely. Okay, good to so know. So there's a couple of things that can happen in an office. Um, yes, they can help you get uh, certainly start the process of applying for the application. Uh, they can also help you learn how to do stuff online. Okay, so they can teach you. Yes. So we have digital coaching that's available in all of our Centrelink sites or our Services Australia sites, I should say. So if you've got, if you've got a smartphone in your pocket, then you've got the ability to do a lot of your business with Services Australia online. And if the only thing that's holding you back is you just don't feel comfortable to do that, then you can actually sit down with one of our digital coaches in our in your local office who can show you. Here's, that is very good. Here's the, here's the website. Here's the app. Here's how you can use it. Let's actually bring it up so that you can see how to change bank accounts and do that sort of thing. So you can learn how to do that at home. And again, you, from a carer's perspective, then you don't have to work, wonder or worry about what, who's looking after the person that I'm caring for while I'm actually visiting a Services Australia site. If I've learned how to do that stuff over my phone, then I, that all that problem is gone. I can just do that. This is true. When the time's available this for me. This is true. Yep, yep. yep. I've got two last questions for you before you get lucky enough to answer the rapid fire rapid questions. Yep. Do you have any tips for claiming? Yeah, a couple. Uh, the first one's going to sound really silly, but in all honesty, it's amazing how many people don't do that. And when I say that, I include myself in this. And the first tip is actually read the forms. Mm -hmm. There's an awful lot of information that we provide on those forms that will answer a lot of the basic questions that you might have. But people don't read it and they might try and ring up or they go in because they don't understand and we'll say, well, the answer, the answer to the question is actually right there for you. The other one uh, is actually, I think, potentially more significant for some people. And I know that it has made a difference when I've spoken about this with other people claiming carers allowance or carers payment in the past. And that is to actually think through how you answer the questions about what care do I supply? When people fill in an application for these sorts of payments, there's going to be a series of questions that we ask them. And they're going to be more like, a, you know, often, sometimes, rarely, never sort of concept about the care that you provide. And the problem is, uh, basically, you're human and you're Australian and you're going to downplay it because that's just what we do. But if you downplay your role, we're not going to second guess you. If you say rarely, then we're going to think you rarely do it. And if you rarely do it, then you're not providing care and we won't give you the payment. The question might be, can the person that you care for shower on the, by themselves? And you'd be thinking things like, well, yes, they can stand in the water, they can soak themselves, they can rinse themselves off, they can step out. Uh, so they do that all by themselves. Mm. And so am I involved in that? No, I, I, they, they did that all by themselves. And if you tick no, 
we would think that's exactly what you said, that they take their care of that whole process by themselves. But what I want you to do is actually think through how did that actually occur. So mm. first question, did they actually shower? Would they have showered if you didn't tell them it's mm. time to shower? Yep. Can you trust that they can go into the bathroom and get undressed without falling over or losing yep. the way, whatever it might be? Do you need to be in there to supervise that procedure? Yep. Can you trust that they won't scold themselves with the hot water or they won't fall over while they're in the shower? And can you trust that they can actually get out and dry themselves without you having to be there just in case because it happened before, they could fall over again? Now, if you're part of that whole process, instead of you, can they shower on your own? No. Um, so do you ever help them shower? You say no. The answer is, do you help them shower? Well, yes, all the time because yeah. I have to be part of the process. And it's thinking through, do they do that completely independently of me or am I required to allow that to happen? And if I'm required, if I have to be in part of that process, a part of that behaviour. Then they don't do it independently. They're not doing it independently. And if I don't say that on the form, we're not going to know that you're involved. And as a consequence, we'll just say, oh, you're not providing any care and not give you the payment. That's a great example. Now, if you have applied for the payment in the past and you may not have been um, it might not have been granted and you find that this might really trigger something for you, then look, apply again. There's nothing to stop you from doing that. Um, put an application in. Th again, think through how you answer those questions. Think of the entire dynamic of the behaviour that's involved and where you fit in that dynamic. Uh, and if you are a lot in there, then in answer the questions that you are, that you're involved a lot. And then we know the care that you're actually providing. Yeah. Okay. So it's good to know if you've applied once and got declined, it doesn't mean that you can't apply again. Absolutely not. Okay. Last question. Concession cards for carers. Am I correct in assuming that there are no concessional benefits for people receiving other allowances, but only for pension recipients? No, that's not actually true. So... The carer payment, as we mentioned, is a pension, which means you get your pension or concession card, same as other pension or concession cards, which means you get from the federal government, that means reduction in your prescriptions. Yep. Also means you get access to um, reduced or more money back if you didn't bulk bill, but you have to pay doctors and you reach your Medicare levies threshold sooner. There's a lot of other concessional benefits that come with a pension or concession card, but most of them are actually provided by local and state governments. Uh, so although it's a federal government issued card, a lot of what you get comes from local state governments. And we're talking about things like reductions in council rates, water rates, car registration, driver's license, that sort of stuff. Yep. So what I would often say, if you just granted one of our pensions, including care payment, and you've got your pension or concession card for the first time, first off, go to your pharmacist and show them and say, I've got one of these. Then go to your local council and say, I've got one of these and have a look at your government website. So what is your New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria, et cetera? What do they say they provide as concessions for concession card holders? Also, another tip is check your electricity bill because there may be on the back that says, here is, ring this phone number if you're a concession card holder and they might make a difference too. If you're on an allowance like your job seeker payment, you actually get a healthcare card. Oh, so it's not the same as a pension or concession card. It does provide the same prescriptional benefits. And again, depending on which state or territory, there may be other benefits that provide that go with that one. The one that's important for carers is the carer allowance, allowance. by itself. So, so just receiving that doesn't mean that you get a concession card. Correct. Now, it is a little bit tricky because we make these things tricky. If you are providing care for a child, then there are potentially some concessional benefits that come with carer allowance for okay. a child. But apart from that, no, the the card just comes, the, sorry, the carer allowance just comes with the, the $144 or so a fortnight plus that once a year $600 Payment. supplement. Yep. 
That doesn't mean you're not eligible for a concession card, but you would have to apply for the concession card on its own merits. Separately. So, yeah. Do you qualify? And the main one we're thinking about here is for people, again, who are over age pension age, it's called the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card. Got it. Got no assets test, same as the fact that the care allowance doesn't have an assets test. Yep. There is an income test. It is lower than the care allowance income test. But to be eligible for that Commonwealth Seniors Health Card, you need to apply. So you're going to have to lodge an application again. Same we talked about. Do it online. Ring us up and do it over the phone. Find out about it on our website with all the concessions that are there too. This is so good. This has just dispelled so many myths. You've answered so many of our technical questions about Services Australia. It's only fishing that you should be rewarded with some rapid-fire wrap-up questions, don't you think? <laughs> Let's go for it. All right. Who do you text the most in the world? Uh, the kids. It's all about where are you, what bus are you on, when are you going to be home, what are you doing right now? The, the kids get a lot of texts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what word, if any, do you have a hard time pronouncing? It's not pronouncing so much, it's spelling. It's My, my fingers do it wrong. And considering for 15 or so years... I was a financial information service officer. It is weird to know that I could almost never spell the word financial correctly. Is it typing or is it writing? Or it's both? how I type it. Oh, I got how it. I type it. I will often do the, uh, at the end, it's the L-A instead of A-L. Got it. And so it's, I don't know, 20 to 30 times a day, spell check, go back, <laughs> A-L. Because, you know, it's just a word I use all the time and I spell it wrong all the time. All right. Is your bed made right now? <laughs> Can I play the fifth? <laughs> We're not in America. No, no, the bed is not presently made. Um, I hope that my wife is not listening to this. <laughs> my last question is, what do you wish you had learned sooner in life or earlier in life? Uh, yeah, I wish I'd learned how to do money better earlier. Mm. Um, and I, So I know about it and I learned how to do it when I was doing the role, but to have done it better in your 20s. Uh, when, you mentioned your wife was better at budgeting. Yeah, she's, she had the skill set. So when we got married, she brought all the income, I brought all the debt. <laughs> um, so, yeah, to have learned those sorts of things, to put money aside, it's even with the, we keep talking about when we talk financial circles, you talk about the benefits of compounding interest. Yep. Just letting the money sit there and grow all by itself. Mm. Uh, in, in That in itself can make a massive difference as mm. you um, even going through stages, looking at houses and all that sort of stuff. So, Having to learn, first of all, how to manage a credit card so you don't end up paying horrendous interest, that's a massive uh, thing to learn, but also how to take advantage of investing, how to put budget a little bit to just save a little bit of money, even little bits of money every fortnight when your wage comes through. Put that aside into something will make a difference into the future. So, yes, we would have would have loved to have been able to pick up that much sooner on. Mm, ditto. That is actually probably my favourite response from you all day. I think there's a philosophy that suggests we teach best what we most need to learn. Maybe I should become a yoga and meditation teacher. <laughs> and that is actually all from us today, folks. I hope this episode has been insightful for you or possibly a loved one. If there's anyone you know that could benefit from this information, please do share it with them. And, of course, liking, subscribing, leaving us a five-star review helps us to get to the right listening ears. Now, I know that this episode was very information heavy and we were very lucky to have someone as fun and gregarious like Justin come along and break it down for us. Their website for Services Australia, again, is www.servicesaustralia.gov.au and the help desk can be contacted between 8am and 5pm Monday to Friday on 1800 941 126. If you listen to this episode on the Simplecast app, there's an option to read all of our transcripts as well as this one. 
Until we meet again, be well, schedule fun things for yourself and take extra care of you today. If you are caring for a relative or a friend who has a disability, a mental health condition, a life-limiting health or medical condition, or are frail because they are older, please contact the Carer Gateway on 1800 422 737 or look us up on www.carergateway.gov.au. And if you're a carer, you're allowed to take time to look after yourself. Remember, everyone you care for is only as okay as you are.